<laughs> okay, guys. Okay. All right. The creepy laughter has to stop before we can have a real conversation. <gasps> guys, give yourselves up. Everyone will understand why you went crazy after the witch imprisoned you for so many years. Oh, we were crazy long before we met the witch. We ate our parents. And then the witch kidnapped you? Nine. She adopted us and gave us candy. But not enough. So we tied her to the sink and started eating people. Bean, behind you! Bean, kill him. Do not wuss out. I don't think I can. I don't know. We were supposed to grow old together and eat a family. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we are here to talk about Season 7, Episode 17, Chosen. Oh, you know, I hadn't thought about the title when we were watching it, because that seems like a weird title. Well, it's like Breadcrumbs last week, where I guess it sort of relates to it a little bit, maybe Okay, well, who is the Chosen? Is it that, like, Kelly has been chosen as the next mark of the Candygram Killer? Actually, yeah, you're right. It makes literally no sense. Like, there's not a specific chosen person. Unless there's a bit at the end where she says to her fiancé, I choo-choo-choose you because, uh, oh boy, Kelly's fiancé's in town and that's gonna be just a barrel of rabbits. You know, I didn't have a problem with Kelly's fiancé. In fact, I was good on this episode. Okay, so... I feel like my feelings on this episode weren't particularly fair. I didn't care for it, but there's not a solid reason. Okay. It just, it's sort of what you said either last week or a couple weeks ago about how it feels like the plot's finally on track, but you look behind you and there's no tracks back there. Yes. I mean, when I say I like this episode, it's assuming that it's coming on the heels of episodes that set this episode up, which it obviously is not. And- but I'm, like, not holding that against this episode. Maybe I should, but I'm not. We're using uh, Great British Baking Show rules here, where it's just how that one bake came out. Doesn't matter how crappy all of your previous bakes have been. And also the fact that, like, we're very close to the end of this show now. We're very close to the end of this season, and I'm still not entirely sure who the big bad is. I guess it's supposed to be Dr. Facilier? Oh, I guess? Yeah, I forgot to say. I enjoyed this episode if I ignore everything that came before and the last 30 seconds. Because it's asinine. We finally got a fairly solid plot, and it feels like kind of a waste of that plot. Yeah, having Hansel actually be the big bad is interesting, and it can be a rewarding story. And then, oh no, he's just a puppet too. Also because this touches upon something I wish was kind of explored more, which we saw just the tiniest bit of in the King Arthur season. What this reminds me, more of almost anything else, yeah. is the episode in the King Arthur season where I think it's Percival tries to kill the evil queen uh-huh because she burned his village down and murdered everyone right the idea that even if you've been quote unquote redeemed you still have past actions that have consequences and you still have to atone to those people yeah you still have to you still should have to deal with the consequences to those actions 
And just like in that episode, not really. Right. Like, yeah. Regina didn't have to deal with the fact that she murdered everyone in this guy's village because David just stabbed him and then the plot was over. And here, you know, we find out that Hansel is a tool of Dr. Facilier, so Kelly doesn't really have to reckon with what she did, even though it would be much more interesting if she did. Yeah. Wow, you're making me like this episode less. Let's get into it. Sorry, that's probably going to get worse as we get into it more. Maybe I'll make you like it more. That is a possibility. And again, there's nothing wrong with this episode. It it actually has a lot of intriguing bits. I wasn't actively bored during any part of it, which is more than you can say for a lot of episodes of Once Upon a Time. Honestly, that's all I'm looking for this season at this point. As a reminder, last episode we found out that Nick slash Jack slash Hansel is the person who's been... Well, I guess we officially found out that he's the person who's been killing all of the witches in... The Candygram Killer. Can we call him the Candygram Killer? Yes, the Candygram Killer. Yet not a shark. Sad times. He should have also been a shark. He could have been... That shark from The Little Mermaid. There you go. Or what's another... (gasps) He could have been Bruce from uh, Finding Nemo. That's owned by Disney. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Plus, Bruce has a name. I'm sure the shark from The Little Mermaid has a name and some ancillary material. We could check the Little Mermaid wikia right now, but we're not going to. We need to get into this episode. Yes. So, as a reminder, he's the one killing witches. Nick slash Jack slash Hansel. And he has kidnapped Henry and taken him to his sexy candy lair. I mean, it's just a really swinging bachelor pad, but sure, sexy candy lair. He's got Henry tied up on a, you know, bearskin rug in front of a fireplace. It's a lot of the ingredients of romance. I mean, more than anything, it reminds me of Patrick Bateman's apartment in American Psycho. Mm. Oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. It's a real serial killer 80s guy vibe going on. So this episode opens with the weirdest CGI. And I've watched it about a million times trying to figure out why they put such a bad CGI thing at the top of this. And I've only just now figured out what's happening. It's so that you can see that it's in Oz. It's so that you can see that it's in Oz. But it's like, I mean, it's like they did it in After Effects. It's really bad. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of a PS1 game, like the opening cinematic in a PS1 game. Because you get this really brief shot of the Emerald City, and then it pulls back into this wooded area with a candy house. But it's it's not realistic looking. It looks, like you said, like PS1 level animations. Cutscene, though. Cutscene PS1. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's not go crazy here. Anyway, it's bizarre. Oh, also as a reminder... Uh, Zelina got one of the murder candy gram boxes at the end of the last episode. Yep, Kelly is next. So, inside of the candy house that's apparently in Oz, uh, a woman is baking gingerbread people. Yeah. Okay. These must be magic ginger- Oh, are you going to say what I was going to say? Uh, no, go go ahead. I, I don't think I am, because I'm going to take us off on a tangent, probably. Okay, these must be some sort of magic gingerbread people, because when she pulls them out of the oven, they are fully iced, and the icing did not melt in the oven. Wow, that- I wasn't thinking about that at all, but that is an insanely good point there. It's really bugging me! 
Uh, my thing was going to be about uh, this bakery that got protested by right-wing people because they were selling gingerbread people instead of gingerbread men. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure my mom called them gingerbread people when I was a kid because we had, like, we did have the gingerbread man uh, press. Cookie cutter? Yeah, cookie cutter, but we also had one that had a skirt, which is how you can tell the difference between men and women is skirts. So Sure, sure, of course. And uh, just to be clear, when you said gingerbread people just now, well, that is a completely valid way to describe the cookie. Uh, you were also saying it because they are iced in such a way that there are both people in overalls. Oh, it's German. They must be Lederhosen. Mm. People in Lederhosen and people in dresses. They're from the German part of Oz. They're from the German part of Italy. We're going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> Uh, but yes, gingerbread cookies. By the way, the most disgusting of cookie. Come at me, gingerbread's disgusting. I disagree, but I don't have strong enough feelings to mount a defense of gingerbread. It's gross. So, the witch is making cookies to feed to Hansel and Gretel. This is one of the stories that seems to be stripping some agency from Gretel. She's not working you know, the witch's thing is Hansel's fattened up. They're both being fattened up for the full moon feast. I'm not entirely sure that this takes away Gretel's agency since we're not actually going to see how they escape. Hmm, point. But they don't want to eat. And the witch, who is not blind. Yes, she is the sighted witch. Yes. Which is just asking for trouble. Right. The witch says, eat up. There are children starving in Arendelle. God. And also... Eat! You're all skin and bones! Manja! Manja! Which is an Italian grandmother stereotype. Manja, of course, being the Italian word for eat. So, as I said, we are apparently in the Italian part of fake German, fake fairy tale. Oz. Oz. It's a suburb in Oz. Fake Italian, fake German, fake fairy tale land. We're in the Italian neighborhood of Germantown in Oz. Yes. Yes, that's what's happening. Apparently. Apparently. So, uh, God. So Hansel and Gretel uh, hold hands. They're really bummed out about the fact that they're about to be eaten. When suddenly, who should burst in but Green Zelina? Green Lena. Yeah, okay, and you mentioned that she's green because I was trying to figure out when this was set. Because this is Zelina ruling as the Wicked Witch of Oz. So this is... Before we meet her in Once Upon a Time, right? Uh, yes. She draws attention to the fact that she's wearing the necklace of the sisterhood of four people who rule over the four directions of Oz. Uh, so we can tell that it's before she appeared in season three. Okay, just want to put a pin in that. Yes, remember, all of her magic is tied up in this amulet at this point. Right. Um, also, it's kind of a phylactery. Eh. Yeah. Okay, also, just as a little side thing, does Disney own Stregonona? Because if they're implying that this is Stregonona, that's weird. But I'm trying to think of iconic Italian witches. and Oh, no, I don't think so. I think that... Or maybe she's supposed to be Bufalina? I don't think she's supposed to be Italian. Uh. The word manja is clearly said, but not captioned. So I think this might have been the actress improvising. Ah, uh, okay. Zelina yells at the witch, 
about how gross it is that she's eating children. She's like, even for a witch, that's disgusting. So I just wanted to point out that in the version of this story that happened in the Enchanted Forest, Regina was 100% cool with Emma Caulfield eating children. She was on board. She made a joke about it. But Selena's like, that's super gross, and I won't tolerate any witches who aren't me in my country. Which is on brand for Selena, that's okay. It is on brand for Selena, but I want to point out, as you brought up Emma Caulfield before, Regina had really no trouble killing her blind witch. In fact, she just fireballs sniped her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was the scene that established that Regina could send fireballs through her magic mirror, which I don't think ever came up again because it w- it's kind of show-breaking. It really is too powerful. But instead, Zelina gets taken out by a chandelier, by a gumdrop chandelier. Yeah, the sighted witch points at the gumdrop chandelier and it just falls on her. And Zelina's like, oh no, my one weakness, objects falling on me. Actually, that's accurate. That's accurate for the Wicked Witch of the West. Or, I mean, the East. But I assume it's a genetic trait. Yes. And then the Candy Witch shoves her magically out of the house and she just kind of falls down a hill and breaks her magic necklace with all of her magic in it. So not a great showing from Zelina here. Yeah, she passes out in the woods. Oh, Zelina. Dear Lord. Remember when she thought she could take Regina? Remember when she was a show spanning, a multiple season arc spanning Big Bad? God. So we cut from that to Zelina in Hyperion Heights looking at her engagement ring, thinking about her broken engagement and listening to a voicemail from her ex-fiance. Chad. 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 Chad, who, by the way, apparently is okay being, you know, walked all over because he says... I don't know why you left, I don't know why you broke off our engagement, but I still love you, and I made a reservation at our favorite restaurant for tomorrow. Please be there. I don't think she even broke off the engagement. I think she just left. That's even worse, because their wedding was supposed to happen a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oof. So, Regina is back from mysteriously not being in the last episode at all, and she's got the magic moss that will cure Henry of his death poison. Yeah, his poisoned heart curse thing. So that's good. It really feels like that fetch quest should have been the plot of an episode, but God knows, maybe it will be in the future. I know, I think they really just needed to get Lana Perea out for a little while. I think she had something going on. Mm. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Zelina tells her that, oh, hey, guess what? I'm going to die next because I got the candy gram. And Regina's like, look, I managed to protect ivy's dumbass from the candy killer i can protect your dumbass from the candy killer but then selena does this whole like oh my god my life was so much better when i was kelly because i didn't have a lot of people from my past jumping up to try to kill me yeah it's weird how kelly never went around murdering people so kelly didn't have to deal with the fallout from having murdered people yeah yeah regina says oh hey it seems like the curse is more like a vacation for you And Kelly's like, yeah, my life during the curse was perfect. And I guess we're all just ignoring the fact that she was... Estranged from her daughter. Yeah. I mean, actually, yeah, she had a pretty solid relationship with Robin Jr., all things considered. Yeah. They had some rough spots when she was a teenager, but I mean... Who doesn't, right? That's what being a teenager is. It's how you grow up. Mm. It's an unpleasant time in life. 
to be a teenager or to be the parent of a teenager? Yes. One would imagine both. Over at Sabine and Jacinda's apartment, Jacinda is cooking breakfast, but she's super distracted by the fact that Henry ran off to New York last week, or at least she thinks he ran off to New York. So distracted, in fact, that she almost burns the pancakes. And Sabine is like, get your shit together, girl. Yes, that is what Sabine is like. But in a friendly way. In a nice way. And Jacinda's all... Uh, I can't uh, relax because Henry hasn't texted me yet and speak of the devil. It's a text from Henry that says, hey, I totally wasn't kidnapped. I'm super in New York and I'm definitely happy with my job here. Don't send the police looking for me, Jay. Wink. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Sabine is like, great. He's good. Don't play games. Text him back right now and tell him you want to bone him. Yeah. Which solid advice. Although, I really kind of thought that this was Henry typing out the message because it's so not a convincing message. I mean, they haven't known each other long enough for that to be a thing. Mm. And no, as we see when Jacinda types back her response, which is, that's great, winky face. The winky face, by the way, is the emoji for, I want to bone you, as we all know. Yes. And we follow the text through the phone and see... Jack slash Nick slash Hansel getting the text. And, oh, he was doing it the whole time, which, yeah, obviously. Well, duh. So, I like how he's wearing a tank top so he can show off his burned arms, but the makeup is so light, it's basically like, ooh, look, he's got nice arms. Yeah, it's not very visible scarring. It's not helped by the fact that they're in a room that's lit by fireplace. Which, I mean... Thematically, it makes sense. Like, he has these horrible burn scars that he's got hang-ups about. So it's kind of cool that there's so much fire in this episode. Like, it makes sense. But, yeah, the scars are not... They're not... Super visible. It's it's like that one scene in the Dark Phoenix movie where, you know, Jean's supposed to be dealing with accidentally hitting Scott in the face during a telekinetic freakout. And she's like, your face... Did I do that to you? And that side of his face isn't lit very well. So it's like, no, genetics did that to him, Gene. Ooh, burn on Cyclops. Ty Sheridan's fine. I thought you were going to say it's like that scene in the movie version of Phantom of the Opera where he takes off his mask and he's like, look at my hideous visage. But they didn't really do a lot of makeup on him in the movie. So he just looks like a guy. Yeah. Like with one artistic scar. Yes. Like... You can kind of see the bird marks-ish. Yeah, I mean... They're there enough, I guess. So Henry's like, so you're the Hansel from my book? And Jack's like, uh, no, that's the Hansel from the Enchanted Forest. I'm the Hansel from Oz. Keep up, idiot. Yeah, yeah. And Henry's like, okay, I really... Okay, do you want me to rewrite your story and, like, fix it? And... Jack slash Hansel is like, no, I need to kill someone else. Someone wicked. And we're like, he's not awake, Jack. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Seriously. I like how he's like, you're going to help me get revenge. And he picks up this giant knife and holds it in Henry's face. And then that's not going to come back when we next cut back to them. No, it's true. That will be the knife that he uses when he tries to kill Zelina. But yeah, we don't see that knife again. (laughs) Like... He took it out for no reason. I guess he took it out to demonstrate that he was going to stab Zelina at some point, but... Yeah, I guess that must be it. It's very theatrical. 
We go from that to the police station when the one uniformed officer who ever gets any lines asks Detective Rogers, hey, you know that podcast guy? And Detective Rogers is like, dude, this is Seattle. You're going to have to be a little more specific. (laughs) Well, apparently we found his car, which was ridiculously full of his stuff. You know, too much stuff for one man to take on an airplane unless he was... God, imagine how much that would cost you. Oh my God, too much. Especially since he's only going there for a job interview. You know what? I've I've changed my mind about his car. I think Henry's just one of those people whose car is just always full of crap. And he had like one suitcase. But he's a Lyft driver. I'm sorry, Swift driver. Oh yeah. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Not worth uh, thinking about too much. No, but the point is his car has been found by the side of the road with a flat tire. So... Maybe Detective Rogers should go investigate that and, I don't know, make sure he actually got to New York. What does he look like? Some kind of cop? Honestly, I'm grateful that this plotline got wrapped up in this episode and that we're not going to have to watch multiple episodes of Henry being held hostage by Jack. Eh, yeah, I guess. It really just feels like a lot of what this season does is burn through plots. Yeah, I guess that's true, too. Which is sort of the opposite of what a lot of other seasons had. I don't want to say it's not wheel spinning, because it is kind of wheel spinning when you know, like, I can't get invested in this jackpot because he's clearly not going to be the main villain. Yeah, and they're just going to get tired of him and get rid of him. It's like, it's like bumper car wheel spinning, right? (laughs) Like, we're just all over the place. Well, it reminds me of the first time I ever played D&D. Because the first time I ever played D&D, I really liked creating characters, but I got bored playing them pretty quickly. Oh, okay. So I'd create a character, I'd play him for like, I don't know, one game, and then I'd be like, uh, he got bored and left, I'm going to play this guy now. I don't think that has to do with you being a new D&D player. I think that's a style of D&D player. Mm, yes. I also had that trouble in uh, World of Warcraft. Would people ask, like, were you Horde or the other one? Alliance. Alliance. I was like... I made literally every character I could and played them all for like an hour. Like I was just constantly making new characters. Yeah, that's that's very you. So Zelina comes in to report that she's going to get murdered. And Captain Hook's like, I'm sorry, we can't help until you've already been murdered. Darkly true. And even then, we're not very good at it. Yeah. But Kelly shows him the box of chocolates and he's like, oh shit, you've been targeted by a serial killer. And Marco's like, wait, you mean there was a serial killer? My mom wasn't just being a giant drama queen? And it's like, really, Marco? I mean, to be fair. I can't imagine that wouldn't be in the newspaper, though, that a serial killer is serial killing people in Seattle. Well, but the- Hi there. Hi. Uh. That was creepy. It just heard me say the serial killer. And it woke up. Your phone heard you say the serial killer and it woke up. Uh, that's not great. You freaked out now? Yeah, I'm freaked out now. Anyway, I was going to say... <laughs> I was... I'm going to leave this bit in. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that I think... They probably kept the part about the candy boxes out of the press. So it would seem like an overreaction for her to say, oh, no, I got candy. The serial killer's targeting me. Yeah, point. So uh, Zelina's like, Marco, why don't you talk to Captain Kirst here? I'm going to go talk to someone who might actually help me. And Marco's like, 
I'm not awake. I don't know what you're talking about. And Selena's like, shut up. She goes to Weaver and she tosses the box of chocolate on his desk. And he says, oh, here's the title of the episode. It must be nice to be chosen before Regina for once. What? What? Damn, Rumpel. Jeez. That is a cold ass reaction. Cold and accurate. Well, remember, she did murder his son. Yeah, okay. It does sort of seem like he's the wrong person to go to for help here. Because Selena's like, you have to help me. And he's like, do I though? And she's like, yeah, you're trying to get into heaven so you can be with Belle. And he's like, ugh. This whole having to be good to get into heaven thing is a real millstone around my neck. He tells Alina that they do know who the killer is. At least they know who the fairy tale version of the character is, which is Hansel. They don't know who the Hyperion Heights identity is. And then Kelly's like, oh, Hansel. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why he would want to kill me. And Rumpel's like, I know that you're gearing up to, you know, get into a whole backstory thing, but I really don't care. Please get out of my office. But Zelina's backstory will not be denied. We flash to a very lost image, by the way, like a super close up on her green eyes opening and then the camera all shaky because she's still coming into consciousness as someone walks through the door and then all the artistic stuff is done and we're back into like a normal two shot. Zelina wakes up and she sees she's in a mysterious man's mysterious cabin. And I do like how her immediate response to waking up is to do the fireball gesture with her hand. Oh, I didn't realize that's what she was doing. Yes. But of course, nothing happens because her necklace is gone. And then she realizes that her necklace is gone. And the man, who says his name is Ivo, hands her the necklace. He says he found it in the woods. It was broken. And he's going to put it back on her. She realizes that, that he was she realizes that he's blind and he's like, yes, fortunately for you, I was just groping around the woods looking for unconscious women and happened to find you. Okay, you said that when we were watching this episode, but I do have to point out, Ivo's Hansel and Gretel's father and he's looking for Hansel and Gretel. So yes, he does spend his evenings groping around the woods looking for people. Point. So Zelina is immediately super into this dude. She wants to uh, jump his bones he repaired her necklace for her, but, you know, she's still so weak from a chandelier falling on her. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. But really, Zelina, you threw Regina through a clock tower and she took that like a fucking champ. But no, no, not her. She is stuck in this man's cabin. Uh, she's She points out uh, a bunch of wood carvings that he did and she's like, oh, is this your hobby? And he's like. I don't have much time for it now. I spend all my time looking for my missing children. I think we kind of glanced over it. But when she went into the witch's house to kick her ass, uh, Hansel and Gretel asked her to save them. And she said, I'm not here to do that. I'm just here to kick her ass. Yeah, yeah. She was like, nope, sorry, not on, not my job. Not in my job description. Yes, she very, very conspicuously did not save them and made it clear that she was not planning on saving them. Which is making this encounter very awkward. Because he's like, I'm trying to find my missing children. Have you seen my missing children? And she's like, uh... Yeah, right? Oh, super awkward. He also says, I always told Hansel when he went out to leave a trail of breadcrumbs. No, you didn't. And also the breadcrumbs get eaten by the birds. He was supposed to leave a trail of pebbles, but you didn't tell him to do that. He did that because of his evil mom. And 
Then he was out of pebbles, so he tried to use breadcrumbs, and the breadcrumbs got eaten by the birds. Does Has no one read this story? The story doesn't matter because Ivo is playing, uh, she's having some fun playing doctor with Zelina. Fuck his missing kids. Yeah, Ivo is all like, I will nurse you back to health. And she's all like, oh, a man who can't see that I'm green. Finally, someone will love me. Like, you know, the thing. God, yes. Yes, he is Alicia Masters to his Ben Grimm. Also, you know, I guess this was pre-you being green, but that one dude who you ended up turning into the Tin Woodsman, or I guess he was already turning into the Tin Woodsman or whatever, and you didn't help him out for some reason. It's not her job. It is actively not her job, but he seemed totally cool with you when you were kids, and then he seemed totally cool with you again when you were an adult. Maybe if you weren't a giant drama baby all the time. Also, the other witches in the coven, they stopped paying attention to you. Not the coven of eight, the good coven of Right, right. They stopped paying attention to you for five damn seconds, and you, you know, trapped them in... Presumably, she trapped the other witches in their own separate pocket dimensions, too. We know she trapped Glinda in the forever winter zone where... Which, by the way, nobody saved her from. She's still there. Yeah, God. Eventually, she becomes the White Queen and comes back. But a different version of the White Queen. No, no. The White uh, the white Queen from Narnia. Oh! Ooh. Yes. But Disney doesn't own Narnia, so we'll never see that. Oh. Oh, yeah. I guess they don't, do they? I know, right? Something Disney doesn't own. Yet. Mm. Yes, but I think it's pretty clear all of Zelina's problems are caused by Zelina. Yes. Zelina's issue is Zelina. So we cut... And possibly to a lesser extent her father. Yes. So we cut away from all that drama to some different drama where Hansel is trying to get Henry to drink a thing of water. From He's got this weird container with a straw coming out of it. And he's like, you want some water? And Henry's like, no, I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'll just deal with dehydration. Meanwhile, Hansel is telling Henry stories that make it clear that he's basically just told Henry everything that's going on. And Henry is convinced that he's insane, but I don't know. Everything that Jack is saying fits pretty neatly with everything that Lucy was telling him. Maybe, maybe at some point you'll start to take it seriously. Yeah, Jack tells him about a bunch of the adventures they had when they were young men and uh, how he was hoping that by becoming Jack, the most generic person on the face of the planet, he could escape his past. He talks about how Henry called uh, Henry rechristened him Jack the Giant Slayer after they teamed up to kill a bunch of giants, which weren't giants peaceful. I mean, I guess there could be different giants, but I'm like, the whole thing was like you know, Prince James and uh, that lady he was having sex with were evil because they genocided the giants. I guess these are different evil giants. Her name was also Jack. She was Jack the Giant Killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these were different evil giants. I think it would have been neat if he was just the alternate reality version of that, Jack. That would have been interesting. Although the whole point of this story seems to be that Jack was a good person. He didn't decide to start killing off all of these witches until after Gretel was killed in the flashback that we saw with Ivy. Yeah. So the idea is, it's okay that you liked Jack and Henry together because Jack was a good person at that time. A switch flipped and he went from being a 100% good person to a serial killer in a matter of days, days that you didn't see, because that's how it works. 
Yeah, also, this still doesn't work, because he talks about how he, he woke up, how just a few weeks ago, you know, when the serial killing started, he woke up, and that's why he started killing witches, which doesn't explain why he wasn't going after witches at any other point when they were adventuring together, or in the many, many years, like, he was around for Lucy being a little kid, like... He was around Zelina and Regina for a while then, and this just never came up. I, I, I don't, it, it's, you know what it is? It's sloppy writing. Sloppy writing. But Henry tries to be like, oh, I get it. Henry's, Henry's trying to piece things together in like some semblance of reality. He's like, no, 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 I get it. You had a sister who died and now you're bitter about that. I, I totally understand this, and you latched onto my book as a way of, like, processing your anger. I'm with you. And Jack is like, no, no, it's 100% real. Also, your aunt is the Wicked Witch of the West. That's who I'm mad at. Yeah, and he's like, Kelly's my aunt, but we're around the same age. And he's like, oh, dude, Your aunt could be around the same age as you. Yeah, your aunt could feasibly be younger than you, depending on when certain people had sex. Yeah, exactly. So I love how Henry's like, okay, dude, I super believe you and I'm going to use the author powers to fix your life. And Jack's like, dude, we were bros for like a really long time, which it would have been nice to see. Right? But whatever. we were bros for a really long time. I know you're, you use your author powers like rich people use their money only when necessary, only when threatened, only at gunpoint. Yeah. Also, this whole, oh, I'll use my author powers to help you thing is a thing you say to villains. And dude, I'm not a villain. Now you just stay tied up over there while we do the next scene. And then we cut to Sabine's food truck. And Sabine is being assisted not by Tilly, who is not in this episode for some reason. Mm. They only have so much money for people. Yeah. You know what? I'm realizing now that's why they didn't have Lana Perea last week. I bet it was a money thing. Yeah. But she is being assisted by Naveen, who's all like... Oh no, we're all out of the dough that I made. If only there was some dough you made, because the dough you make is super special, Sabine. And she's like, that's not a suspicious thing to say. Here's a bag full of dough that I made with my special secret ingredient that only I know, so this dough is very personalized to me as a person. Yes. And then she hands the uh, dough to him and she's like, I'm entrusting you with this dough. Almost as though this dough is a symbol of the trust that we have built up over the one episode that we had together. And then she leaves so that Dr. Facilier can show up without her seeing him. Yeah. He shows up and he's like, hello, Naveen. Yeah, you're right. He does say it like it's a reveal, even though we've already seen these two. Yeah, and we already knew they were working together at the end of the episode that established that they were working together. I guess if you drop plots for several weeks, you can act like it's a new reveal all over again. Point. I did kind of forget that Naveen was in the show. Oh, no. That's not a good sign. Back in the evidence locker, Weaver has brought Zelina so that he can give her something to help her fight off the candygram killer. And she's like, oh, hey, we're in an evidence locker. It's just like your pawn shop, except now it's an evidence locker. And we're like, thanks, Selena. We've been in this for 17 episodes. We get it. We get what's happening. But uh, Rumpel isn't bringing her a weapon. 
it's her old phylactery. Which, when she first opens, she's actually really pleased to see. Like, there's genuine pleasure in her face when she sees what it is. But then she's like, um, bitch, I don't have magic. What is the plan here? And Rumpel's like, the Wicked Witch didn't need magic to survive either, which is an asinine thing to say. Like, the reason she survived was because she stored a little bit of her soul or something in the phylactery. And, like... It was magic that caused her not to die when you stabbed her in that jail cell when she had no powers. Right. Well, I mean, his point is she's always figured out how to survive. So instead of giving her a weapon, he's just going to remind her who she is. Yeah. And she's like, you're right. We can never escape the worst parts of us. And he's all like, but without the worst parts of us as some sort of before picture, how would you see how far you had come? God. Whatever. So... Back in the past, Zelina is trying to get her magic back. Like, she's trying to use her powers to start the fire, but... Instead, she's just created a bunch of smoke. Where there's smoke, in this case, there is no fire. And Ivo comes in and he's like, Hey, I smell smoke. What you trying to do here? And she's like, I was trying to bake, not do magic, but I can't seem to get a fire started. And he's like, okay, well, you know you need to use kindling, not just one giant piece of wood, right? And he places the kindling, and she lights a match and lights the fire, and it's all like, God, aren't the flames beautiful? Oh, no, I'm so sorry! Yeah, she's like, don't you love how the flames dance? Don't you like looking at them with your eyes and seeing them? And really, isn't sight the best sense for looking at things? Oh, oh. Oh, I forgot. I forgot that you can't see. He's like, he he tells her the daredevil thing, right? That all the rest of his senses are heightened and he can hear what she looks like. And she's like, oh, my God, tell me what I sound like. And he's all like, you sound passionate and kind and beautiful. And she's like, wow, that is definitely way better than I see myself. So let's do this thing. Not to quote Clone High immediately again after uh, a Clone High quote, but I can hear and see everything that they taste and smell. He t- she asked him how he lost his sight and he said it was a logging accident. And he's all like, oh, but it's good. It's good that I lost my sight because before I lost my sight, I didn't really see my children. And then once I went blind i was finally able to see i feel like we need to say just in case it's not obvious from our mocking tone that this whole subplot is hella ableist oh yeah like it's gross i mean it's inspiration porn right exactly except like with a fairy tale twist it's inspiration porn with a fairy tale twist god yeah did the father go blind in the original story or in one of the takes i don't like when people say oh in the original story because For a lot of these things, there isn't really an original story. I'm pretty sure there is a version of the fairy tale where he, where the father goes blind, and then when the children return, he's so happy that they returned that he has his sight back. Yeah. I'm fairly certain that that's a version of the story. Boy, that's a real Jane Eyre twist. Well, the Jane Eyre twist would be if after they got home, he locked them in the attic and burned the house down. (laughs) Spoilers for Jane Eyre. Sorry about that. Yeah, spoilers for (laughs) Jane Eyre. As long as we're talking about Jane Eyre real fast. Mm-hmm. A thing that Jane Eyre has in common with this season of Once Upon a Time is that it has a plot that goes to a place. In this case, Jane Eyre going off to be like a missionary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it seems clear that 
Emily was all like, God, I don't like that ending. I'm just going to tack an ending on to this that doesn't really make sense with everything that's come before. I mean, I know different times, different values, but it bumps me out that he basically spends the entire book calling her ugly and stupid, and then they get married at the end. I mean, I like that Jane Eyre exists, because if it didn't exist, we wouldn't have the Eyre Affair, which is a giant fix-it fic, where the fix is, yeah, that plot doesn't make any sense. The only thing that makes sense is that there's some sort of police force that uses books to travel around, and they accidentally burn down the house, thus changing the entire ending of Jane Eyre. That seemed like an interesting series. I've bought the first book in that series like three different times. Oh no, have you not read The Air Affair? I have not. Oh, well then I really did just spoil The Air Affair for you, but you should read it. It's good. (laughs) The ones that come next are only okay, but The Air Affair is so worth reading. So, as they're having a romantic talk by the fire, uh, Zelina is like, I should probably go and rescue your kids. I mean, I think I've outstayed my welcome. I I, uh, I I need to go for reasons that aren't related to your totally probably not dead children. And he's like, stay, stay. We can just make some more children. And she's like, no. She's like, I will. But first I have to leave. I have to leave before I can stay. And then she walks breast first into the camera. She really does. Well, they had her take off her like cape. So now she's basically just wearing the corset and the shirt. So it's like, yeah, that's uh Bam. <laughs> Yes, it it is a very specific outfit. Yes. I'm trying to think of a non-creepy way to phrase that, but the uh, costume department wants you to know that Rebecca Mater is a woman who has breasts. That That's accurate. Back in Hyperion Heights, Hook goes to talk to Jacinda, who's like running laps at the school, and he says, hey, you know, Henry disappeared we're kind of worried about him, and when we called the airline, they said that he never checked into his flight. And she's like, that can't possibly be. He sent me a text saying that everything was super coolsies and that he definitely wasn't kidnapped. And Hook is like, um, can I read that text? And she reaches into her car to get her phone, and inside the car he sees a gingerbread house kit. And he's like, that's weird. And she's like, it was a gift from Nick. And he's like, okay, so does anything in this text strike you as not like Henry? And Jacinda's like, yeah, it doesn't sound like his voice at all. And also he never calls me Jay. The only person who calls me Jay is Sabine. Oh, and I guess also my ex-husband, Nick. And Hook's like, wait a second. Nick gave you the gingerbread house. The person that we're looking for thinks he's Hansel. And also he said all of that stuff that implied that he was the serial killer when we were hanging out that one time. To be fair, Hook does get this faster than I would have expected Hook to get this. Hook is like, hey, Jacinda, by any chance does Nick have, like, burn scars on his arm? And Jacinda's like, now that you mention it, he totally does. But before she can even finish her sentence, Hook, like, jumps into his car and peels out. Like, the car swerves. He's going so fast. Do you even know where Nick lives, dude? I guess he does. Yeah. This is part of the thing which... Someone pointed out, now I can't not see it, people never saying goodbye on TV shows ever. Oh, yeah. Or, like, ending conversations when it's a phone call, even if it's, like, a friendly, casual phone call. Well, it's especially weird in this case because you essentially just imply to Jacinda that her ex has kidnapped her almost maybe boyfriend and then just left her there to deal with the fallout of that knowledge. So... Speaking of that-ish... Speaking of fallout of knowledge... 
uh, Nick is talking about all of his memories and stuff to Henry, and Henry's like, dude, can you kneel down? Because I've been at, like, crotch level for you basically this whole episode, and it's getting kind of uncomfortable. Nick, Nick obliges and kneels down. Mm -hmm. And he tells him that he was just giving blood, and then all of a sudden he woke up, which is interesting. And also that he stole the lab results from Dr. Sage when he killed her. Mm -hmm. And guess what, Henry? You are the real father! Yeah, which works because I remembered you, you know, and Jacinda having this baby together back in the other timeline when, you know, she was Ella and you were still Henry because your name never changes and curses for whatever reason. Well, and Henry's like, this is just a piece of paper. I could literally have printed out a piece of paper myself that said anything. And he starts to point out, she's like, look, Kelly's not the Wicked Witch of the West. She's a real person who really lives in San Francisco and has a real daughter and a real fiance. And I'm like... She doesn't have a real fiancé anymore. Also, she's been in Seattle for a few weeks now, dude. Well, but I don't think Henry knows she's going to stay in Seattle permanently, so she's from San Francisco. Honestly, Henry should be more suspicious because the situation that they picked up Kelly from is really weird. No, I don't think- I, I disagree. I disagree, and I'm just going to drop in an old segment of ours here. Okay. The plot from Henry's point of view. The plot from Henry's point of view. Not this whole thing, just the Kelly plot specifically. Yeah. Okay, so there's something going on with Lady Tremaine. Because mm-hmm. remember, she used to be a character. So they go to San Francisco to pick up Kelly. But when they get there, it turns out that this person that Ronnie told him they had to go get was this woman that she has, like, huge history with. Like, A woman who is so close to her, they may as well be sisters, and there's some deal with the daughter. And, you know, there's a lot going on there. So we know, so he knows that Kelly used to live in Hyperion Heights, so it makes sense that Kelly and Ronnie running the bar together would have some sort of information about Lady Tremaine. They all go back to Hyperion Heights, Henry Sooner, because remember Lucy got sick. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Ronnie and Kelly, who were estranged for several years, are starting to mend fences. And who cares about Lady Tremaine now, because she's dead, so whatever. And also, like, not only are they mending fences, but their daughter, oh, yeah. Freudian slip, but Kelly's daughter, who was also estranged, has returned home to try to mend fences with her mother and pseudo-aunt figure. So from his point of view, his podcast healed all of these familial rifts. Okay, but it feels like he should have questions because Kelly, like, he does the class with Ronnie, They meet up with Kelly. Kelly's like, fuck you. Fuck you. Get out. I never want to speak to you again. He leaves to go back to Seattle. Because Lucy's sick. Because Lucy's sick. He gets back to Seattle. Ronnie shows up with Kelly. Suddenly, no issues there. They're like, oh, yeah, no, we're friends now. And I'm going to, I had a fiance, but you know what? I'm going to stay for several weeks and run this bar. And also I'm going to try to get my daughter back here for whatever reason, even though there's a serial killer in town attacking women. Well, I think it's going to seem to him like the running was not from San Francisco, but in fact from Hyperion Heights. That in fact it was some rift with Ronnie, probably in his mind, fed into by whatever was going on with Victoria Belfry. That caused them to separate and for her to run off to San Francisco. So in his mind, she's returning to heal divides, not running away from a fiancé in San Francisco. But why wouldn't she? Like, he knows that the fiancé hasn't heard from her. Eh, you know how women are. 
And, like, he knows that Margot has this weird relationship with her mom. Yeah, you know how kids are. <laughs> I would just say Henry should have more questions. He's just not a nosy person. <laughs> so, Nick picks up the knife again. Apparently he put it down at some point. So he picks it up again and he, he you know, flips it around. He's like, look, I'm going to go kill Kelly. Now, I know if I just leave you here tied up, you're going to find a way to get loose and blah 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 so i'm going to tap you very very lightly i'm going to pat you very lightly on the head and that will knock you unconscious okay this all happens so quickly in the camera that i didn't see what he was doing it's actually pretty brutal he slams henry's head into the pole but henry's tied to i guess it just it looks very gentle well the camera cuts away from it really quickly but no, I think he knocks Henry out by slamming his. But no, he's. <laughs> but no, he's knocking. Yeah, okay, but it's clearly hard enough to knock him out. Boop. Whatever. Henry's unconscious now. And, hard uh, enough to knock him out, but not to kill him. And this, of course, is one of those TV things where. Yeah, obviously, he would need medical attention. Yeah. He definitely has a concussion. Well, if you're unconscious for more than like a second, you're in trouble. But whatever, it's TV. So. Ronnie and Zelina are in the bar alone together, and Zelina's looking for the baseball bat that every bar has to, you know... Fight off intruders. And Ronnie's like, actually, we have a crowbar because we are sophisticated ladies. And then they have, like, a real sisterly moment where Kelly's like, hey, I'm glad we're sisters again, and I'm glad you're going to protect me from the candy killer. And Ronnie says, hey, no one's going to kill you except for me. And then they toast to each other, and it's about surviving the past but not forgetting it so that there'll be a future or something. And, like, Kelly talks about how long it's been since she last had a... Uh, a drink and a bar brawl. I was like, you've been drinking pretty consistently since you got back. I guess you haven't had a bar brawl, though. Yeah. So, back in the flashback, Zelina is getting ready to take on the sighted witch and rescue the children who are definitely going to be dead by now yeah well you know she's ready to take this witch on because she puts her hat on meaningfully okay so okay remember that pin i put in like an hour ago let's pull that pin out because Zelina says to the witch i'm sick of playing candy crush with you that makes literally no sense because this is before she's gone to Storybrooke, right? Yes, this is canonically before she went to Storybrooke, when she was still wicked, witching it up. This is before she was even aware of the world without magic. Outside of presumably being aware that there is a world without magic. And it also probably predates Candy Crush. So, I mean, this is basically just the worst joke from Moana, right? The tweeting joke? Yes, this is the worst joke from Moana. Because she crushed her with candy, so they were playing Candy, candy Crush. crush. Anyway, it's weird because the witch beat her pretty soundly before, and... <laughs> I Okay, I do kind of love this fight scene because it starts off with, like, Zillian's like, I'm gonna take you down this time, and the sighted witch just kind of gestures, and a gumdrop flies off of the house and hits Zelina in the stomach. Oh no, my weakness! Gumdrop's being thrown at me, apparently! Oh no, my weakness! People attacking me physically! (laughs) And then the witch grabs one of the peppermint sticks that's like, that's lining her walk, and flies at her in, like, some very Mary Martin and Peter Pan-style wire work. And the 
the bottom of the peppermint stick is pointy because it was staked into the ground. And she's like, flies at Selena like she's going to stab her with this giant peppermint stick. The whole thing is ludicrous. This is why I wish we had more candy-themed witches in this show. You're right. You're right. We need more candy-themed witches. Just Skittles from that last episode. This is why it would have been great if Hansel had been built up and actually had been the main villain. Or at least had been built up as the dragon for the main villain. Exactly. But no, no. This this is over far too quickly. Zelina just uses her magic to take away the witch's sight. And Which then, I guess is something she could just do. I guess. And then the witch runs away. She sucks the sight into like a piece of jewelry. Yeah. And then Zelina goes into the cottage and there's no one there. And she's like, oh, shit, I am too late. Those kids have been digested. Well, she sees a fire and she's like, oh, no, Hansel, Gretel. And it's like, I mean. Well, she also sees Hansel's little Hansel hat. (laughs) See, this is why you need to have a significant hat so it can float up from underwater or be found in a witch's lair. And people can go, oh, your name. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, why I think Cable should have kept on wearing that stupid hat he wore as a kid. Oh, so that his family could have significantly recognized him when he returned? Plus, it would be really funny to have giant-ass Cable wearing that stupid tiny hat that he wore as a kid. Tiny hats are always funny. So, back in Nick's serial killer apartment, Hook rushes in to save Henry, like a good fake stepdad. Yeah, and Henry's like, it's Nick, he's going after... Kelly, we need to get to her before he does. And he's in front of a really shiny something table, I guess. And a lot of the shots are just him talking in the reflection of the table. Yeah, it's like a coffee table. It's like a glass coffee table. It just got me thinking about how I feel like this season has sort of been less artistic with the shots that they're doing. I feel like we haven't really talked much about the... uh... Cinematography? Yeah. It's true, we haven't. We haven't, but you're right. They really wanted to do something with this episode. I think maybe... The director of photography is just as bored as we are. No, that's not fair. This episode's fine. It's just that there's nothing... It's just that there's no track behind us, as you said. Meanwhile, speaking of Kelly, she finally decides to answer her phone. And it's Chad, who she calls Boo Bear. Oh, okay. Number one, that's gross. But number two, you should point out that before the phone rings, Kelly is staring into a fire in the fireplace at Ronnie's bar. Oh, yeah. Fires might be a theme this episode retroactively keep an eye out for that but yes she picks up the phone and it is her boo bear chad i like to think that this is like in fables where he's actually a bear normally i mean i know he's not i was thinking that too i was hoping that as well but he's not a bear what he is is a hostage he has been kidnapped by nick and nick's like if you want to see your fiance alive again come to the murder factory so i can murder you there and Kelly gets ready to storm off, but Ronnie interrupts her and is like, um, are we gearing up? Are we going to go fight people? And Zelina lies to her. Zelina's like, nope, it's Chad. He called from the airport. I got to go get him and put him somewhere safe because I guess Kelly decided that this is something she has to do on her own. Why wouldn't she get Regina's help? Regina has fucking magic now. Like, I get that you wanted to, like, do stuff thematically, and also that they apparently only had three minutes of Lana Perea this episode, but it really, really should have been the two of you fighting together. Also, why did you send her to the airport for no reason? I mean, I guess it's just to get her out of the way. 
Yeah, so I'm sorry. I said she said that she was going to go to the airport and get Chad, but that was a ruse so that Ronnie would say that she had to go and then Ronnie would be out of the way. She says to Regina, I don't want Chad to suffer for Zelina's mistakes. So the implication is that she doesn't want Ronnie to suffer for Zelina's mistakes, you know, any more than she already has. But, okay, did Dr. Facilier just give her enough magic to brew the potion or does she have magic back again? I think he just gave her enough to brew the potion. He gave her a tiny amount. Okay, you know what would have made this less confusing? If anyone had explained what was going on. If Mother Gothel hadn't done the same thing except she just got her magic back. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Regina does have full-on magic. But no, I think he just gave her enough to brew the potion. Hmm. <sighs> All right. So, so Zelina's going to go meet Hansel at the murder factory to fight to the death, I guess. To save her fiancé, who she super loves, I guess. Speaking of people she super loves, back in the flashback, Zelina goes to talk to Ivo and she is like, I have some bad news for you about your children. And he's like, it's okay. They told me themselves. Yep. Yep. They escaped at like the most inopportune time. Like if they had escaped before Zelina showed up, that would have been great. Or if they had not escaped at all and Zelina would have been able to rescue them, also great. But no, they escaped during the one week period where Zelina was refusing to rescue them. So, okay, okay, so clearly what happened in, you know, canonically, the Hansel and Gretel story didn't happen here, because the witch was dead by the end of that story. Yeah, no, they just escaped. And we don't hear how they escaped either. They just escaped. Yeah. You know what I like to think happened? What? I like to think that Gretel stole some of the witch's powers, and then that's how she got them out, and then that feeds into Gretel becoming a witch later. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, that's, in my head, that's what happened. Ivo is super honked off because he's like, okay, so not only did you actively not rescue my children, you took up a bunch of my time to stop me from trying to find my children. Also, like, it seems really cruel that you watched me go out every night looking for them and didn't say anything about where they were. Yeah. That does seem really cruel. What the fuck, Selena? But she's like, no, but you have to understand... It was because you loved me and no one's ever loved me. So I couldn't say anything to you. It would have been awkward. But look, I stole someone's eyesight for you. I. And, and I. Look, okay. Look, let's talk about, let's talk about Ivo. Okay. Okay. Ivo, who is played by the Beast from Descendants. Huh. Yes. But also the face acting he does when she's like, but no, but I loved you and stole someone's sight for you is exactly the look you would expect to see on a human being's face if you're like, my children were in danger and you didn't do anything. And their response was, I stole someone's eyesight for you. He's like, what? That's, that what? Ha- that, not even- <laughs> that, that has nothing to do with. It reminds me of a lot of arguments on the internet where you're saying one thing and someone's like, oh yeah, but what about this completely unrelated thing? He basically becomes the embodiment of that gif of uh, Nathan Fillion as as Mal, where it's like, uh, just truly some great face acting. But she goes off on this weird thing about how every doesn't everyone deserve a second chance and even at this point i think you're on chance like five right but everyone deserves a second chance and you know i uh, fine if you don't want me then i guess i'll just be evil 
And Hansel's like, get the fuck out of my house. And he picks up a knife to, you know. Stab her. Stab her out of his house. And then she magics the fire out of the fireplace onto his arms in a standoutedly terrible special effect in an episode chock full of terrible special effects. Yeah, so Hansel's horribly burned now and she- And and Zelina (laughs) says, you mess with the witch, you get burned. It's not really how witch burnings tended to happen, but fine. And like- Congratulations, Selena, you burned a child because his dad wouldn't bone you? This is why you're alone, Selena. This is why you're alone, Selena. So back in the present, she's going to go fight Nick Jack Hansel. Yeah, she's about a baseball bat with her because... I guess... You know what? That's okay. He doesn't have any magical powers. Bringing a baseball bat to this fight is exactly the right amount of response. I still think she should have taken Ronnie's crowbar. Eh. But Chad is tied up in the corner... God, Chad. Jesus fucking Christ. And Selena's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Things are very complicated. I will try to explain what's going on. And, you know, Nick shows up and he's like, she can't explain what's going on. But dude, I know it seems like a bad thing that I kidnapped you and tied you up in this murder basement. But like, really, I'm doing you a massive favor here. Yeah, trust me. You dodged a bullet here, dude. Which, to be fair, kind of. Uh, Zelina does have a, oh, it's been a long time since we've got to mention it, Vagina of Doom. Oh yeah, she does, doesn't she? Although, I don't think that's really fair. I mean, Regina truly has a Vagina of Doom. But Zelina just kills everyone she has sex with. That's not quite the same. Well, I mean, let's look at her track record here. Okay, Robin. Okay, Robin, who is killed by Hades. Hades. Who she killed. And is that it? Oh, I guess that's it. I mean, she's she's batting the opposite of a thousand. It's just two. That's not... It's just two guys. I mean, Rosen Island killed two people in bed and we don't worry about her. We do. There was an episode about that. Oh, yeah. There was a whole episode about her death gina. Yep. Yep. I mean, I guess Regina has her beat, right? Yeah, I mean, because uh, Regina's got Graham, who sh- she she killed. Yeah, uh, she's got Graham. She's got Robin. Yep. Oh my God, is that it for Daniel? Oh yeah, Dan- Daniel. Daniel, <laughs> remember the exciting incident of this TV show? <laughs> yes, Daniel. Well, and then Emma. Emma's got Graham. Not her fault. Yes, Emma's got Graham. Not her fault. Emma's got Neil. Not her fault. Yes. Emma's got Hook. Hook's not dead. Oh, I guess he did die. Does that count? Yeah. It's not the vagina of permanent doom. I'm sorry. It's not the vagina of permanent doom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then she married Hook, so then that's it. We're done with that. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, and I guess since they seem to be retconning a romantic relationship with August and he's constantly having his sense of self destroyed. I mean, he got like retroactively changed into a child, erasing his adult memories. So like... But then they go back on that a few times. I don't. Re- I honest to God don't remember where I don't they know what's ended going with, on August. with August. I don't think they ever got back to turning him into a kid again after the evil queens thing. Huh. Well, because remember they brought him back for that episode where Emma had to teach the alternate reality version of himself to believe in himself. Yeah, I remember that to cut down the magic tree and. <sighs> so in this murder basement. Nick and Zelina are basically having a murder off, and 
they're both talking about all the evil things the other has done, mostly for Chad's benefit, I feel. Yes. How Chad doesn't have more questions about this, she's like, oh, I know what you've been up to, and I know that you think you're the good guy, but you're actually the bad guy, and I'm the good guy. And he's like, but you killed a lot of people. Like He's also like, you manipulated my father, and you, like caused my sister's death so i mean there's a lot of information that chad's only getting half of right now yeah it's weird selena i think she brought it up earlier but she she mentioned she's like i killed a munchkin that's not something kelly would ever do it's like a munchkin selena yeah right right i you know what i want to talk about this a little bit though Mm -hmm. i feel like there are a lot of people in this world who don't have a sense of curiosity about this kind of stuff. Like, when someone drops a bizarre non sequitur, I need to know what they're talking about. But I feel like a lot of people just let bizarre non sequiturs go. Oh, definitely. So, I guess Chad's just one of those people with no sense of curiosity. He's Buffy's mom in season two of Buffy. Yeah, I guess. So, anyway, Nick lunges at Selena with a knife, but she knocks him out with a pillar of, I assume, empty, because she's able to push them over kegs. And then she has the knife, and she, like, has the knife at his throat, and is like, Ha! Got you now! But not really, because I'm good now. Yeah, he's like, okay, fine, look, finish it. Finish the job that you started all those years ago. And she's like, no, I'm good. And then she knocks him out, and she's like, more or less. Okay, I liked that. Uh, I liked that. Like. And then she goes to untie Chad and is like, sorry about all that. Yeah, and he's like, who's Selena? And she's like, oh, okay, look, I've got a lot of stuff to half explain to you. Just give me a second to get my stories right. <laughs> oh. We cut back to after the explanation because there's no way in hell that they'd be able to you know figure out an explanation yeah we go to commercial and then we come back from commercial upstairs at the bar Zelina says that she's got nick handcuffed and she's like i don't even want to know why regina had handcuffs Girl, she had you them know for why sex. regina had handcuffs jesus fucking Christ. be an adult be an adult she tells chad that she's done some bad stuff and she understands if he doesn't want to be with her anymore But Chad's all like, no, I love you. Besides, I know everything I need to know about you. You had a chance to kill that guy and you didn't. So, I mean. Clearly you're a good person. You know, you didn't, you aren't a murderer. Or, I mean, you didn't commit murder that one time. You didn't actively commit murder in front of me. Ergo, you are a good person. Oh, Chad. Chad, this is why you keep getting into these terrible relationships. We're assuming. This guy, it really feels like they're like, okay, we need someone for one episode. He doesn't need to be able to act or anything. He's just, look, he's Coop. He's Coop from the last season of Charmed. He's, uh, he's Riley from Buffy. Yeah, I guess he is. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, you know who he is? He's Owen from Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Oh, God, he is Owen from Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Hoping that he'll turn out to be someone though, that they'll break the curse and he'll end up actually being like. I assume this was them just getting Zelina out of the show so we could be happy that she's having her happy ending. I mean, it is because the two of them are going to go back to San Francisco together. Yes, they kiss and the and he's like, "So you'll still marry me?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm 
blow this popsicle stand. And speaking of blowing, Henry shows up at Jacinda's door, because that's, of course, what he's going to do when he's first released. And they rush into each other's arms, and they do that thing where they almost kiss, but then they don't. And then Lucy's like, nope, 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 none of that. I love you two, and I want you to be a couple, but no kissing until I say so. Yeah, Lucy, like, jumps in between them. And Henry's like, so I think this is a sign not to take that job, but to stay here with you instead. And Jacinda's like, I'm so glad you're going to. And Lucy's like, me too. I'm going to hug you a foot away from my mom so that you two don't kiss. And Sabine's kind of just in the background. She's like, also, I'm here. And also there's Sabine. Well, she needs to be there so that we can go to the next bit where Naveen is handing facilier beignets made with Sabine's special dough that she was talking about how special and unique to her it is earlier. So basically, this is a beignet that is powdered not with powdered sugar, but with betrayal, you know, symbolically speaking. And so that betrayal is a powerful magic and Dr. Facilier is able to use that powerful magic to bring his voodoo doll to life. That's basically what just happened. Yes. Dot, 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 profit. Well, I mean, it it makes sense thematically, right? Because he's about to betray someone, so he uses someone else's betrayal as, like, magic dust to make it... Oh, God, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> this show might be kind of stupid. <laughs> anyway, back in the bar, Zelina is... She's sitting in a couch staring at a bicycle on the wall. Well, it's Ronnie's bar. You don't think there are you don't think there are bars in the Pacific Northwest with bicycles on the wall? I do, but Oh, because she's the wicked witch. Yeah. Oh. 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 Anyway, she tells Ronnie that she told Chad everything, you know, minus the fairy tale bits, and it's like, that's That's omitting quite a lot. You didn't tell him everything if you omitted the fairy tale stuff. Whatever, Selena. So, so Zelina's going to go back to San Francisco. Ronnie's going to manage the bar. Kelly deserves a happy ending, I guess. Yeah, like, Zelina killed a bunch of people, but Kelly didn't. Kelly can get married. All right. And the two of them hug, and their sister love each other, and they reference Wizard of Oz in increasingly stupider ways. Yeah, Regina says, uh, go on, you little monkey. Get on that bike and fly. <laughs> My God. I think Lana Perea deserves an Oscar for saying that line with a straight face. An Emmy? No, an Oscar. (laughs) Then Margo comes in and is like, hey, remember how you like called me a million times and told me to come home and now you're blowing town? Is that what's happening right now? And Kelly's like, yeah, do you want to come with me to San Francisco? And Margo's like, no, there's a homeless girl I really, really, really want to have sex with. And Kelly's like, I understand. Okay, but Kelly really does understand because she knows that it's Alice and she knows that it's Tilly's girlfriend. Yeah. Also, apparently she may have told her fiancé her new fake backstory, but she didn't tell Marco because Marco's like, okay, so you had history with the serial killer and you're just not explaining any of it to me? And Kelly's like, yeah, basically. She's like, I used to be bad, but then I wasn't bad. And now I'm leaving. She actually tells Margo that she started to stop being bad when she had Margo, which is like, that's all well and good, but you're just going to abandon her again? <laughs> Whatever. Fine. She get, she does give Margo the 
the phylactery, the, the giant, the giant necklace, and tell her it's a family heirloom and that she wants Margot to wear it as maid of honor in her wedding. And that's nice. Yes, it's a nice moment. And that Zelina became the not entirely evil person she is because of Margot. That's like, nice. Yeah, it's a nice enough moment. And then we pull back to see them behind the bars of the spokes of the wheels of the uh, bicycle. You're right. That bike stuff was really heavy handed. I didn't really clock it, but yeah, it's super heavy handed. So meanwhile, Nick is sitting in a person holding room. An interrogation room? Yes, an interrogation room. When the lights flicker on and off, which we all know what that means from the episode where Dr. Facilier showed up. and It means Dr. Facilier is showing up. Yeah. And Nick's all like, are you my court-appointed lawyer? And Dr. Facilier is like, no, dude, I'm the one who woke you up. And Nick's like, but why? And, and Dr. Facilier is like, okay, look, apparently I guess I'm going to be the big bad now. But I needed some help to rub out the former Big Bad, Mother Gothel, because we both are apparently after the Dark One Dagger, which really... But Nick just killed a bunch of other witches. He never got around to killing Mother Gothel. Yeah, and he's like, look, you had one job, which you didn't know about. And, and you didn't do it. And you didn't do it, so I'm going to use this voodoo doll to kill you. And uh, Nick's like, really? Like... You're not going to do anything more with my character? And he's like, Like, no. wouldn't it make more sense if you got me out of here and had me keep doing your bidding? Nope, nope. Nope. Nick's dead now. What a waste. Well, we don't know he's dead. We just know, he, yeah, he's dead. And it's like, what was the point of that? Right? Like, you had so many interesting places you could have gone with this character but you didn't, for no reason, because... <sighs> it took you so long to get to an interesting big bad, and then you just... <sighs> or little bad, even. And again, this is why it reminds me so much of that episode in the King Arthur season, because you have a person who has a legitimate grievance against a member of the main cast, and instead of dealing with any of the fallout from that, oh, let's just kill him off so we don't have to think about it. I feel like every single episode in this season could be the start of an AU where the AU is canon up to that point, but then follows the plot threads that should have been followed instead. Like every single one of these episodes could branch off into a more interesting AU. Definitely. Which is why I have so much, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with this episode. I just have difficulty with where it fits in the line of Once Upon a Time. It could have been so much better, but it's just clipping plot threads for no reason. Well, next week, I think we're going to go back to some dropped plot threads because, I mean, so I say now. Next week's episode is called The Guardian, and the Netflix description is, Weaver discovers the Dark One's dagger is missing, and Margot takes Tilly on a date. With time running out, a desperate rumple puts Alice to the test. So... So I guess that'll about do it for this week. I Yeah, I think that does it for this week. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcast. It helps other people find our show. If you want to talk about this episode or anything television related, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at 
I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. I know a guy who's tough but sweet. He's so fine, he can't.